you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. Com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. Oh my gosh, we made another one. The Chris Voss Show and the Chris Voss Show podcast turned 12 this month. I think it's uh, August 19th, I think it is. But uh, maybe you might it might be August 19th by the time you hear this. No, it won't. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. So now that we're 12, can you finally refer the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives? Get everybody listening to the show. Just grab their phone and subscribe them and stuff. Ask for their permission, too, as well. We don't condone forcing people to be subscribed to the show against their will. But tell them that the show is like a giant family, but we don't judge you. That's the important part. So we're excited to announce my new book is coming out. It's called Beacons of Leadership, Inspiring Lessons of Success in Business and Innovation. It's going to be coming out on October 5th, 2021. And I'm really excited for you to get a chance to read this book. It's filled with a multitude of my insightful stories, lessons, my life, and experiences in leadership and character. I give you some of the secrets from my CEO entrepreneurial toolbox that I use to scale my business success, innovate, and build a multitude of companies. I've been a CEO for, uh, what is it, like uh, 33, 35 years now. We talk about leadership, the importance of leadership, how to become a great leader, and how anyone can become a great leader as well. So you can pre-order the book right now wherever fine books are sold, but the best thing to do on getting a pre-order deal is to go to beaconsofleadership.com. That's beaconsofleadership.com. On there, you can find several packages you can take advantage of in ordering the book. And for the same price of what you can get it from someplace else like Amazon, you can get all sorts of extra goodies that we've taken and given away. Uh, different collectors, limited edition, custom made numbered book plates that are going to be autographed by me. There's all sorts of other goodies that you can get when you buy the book from beaconsofleadership.com. So be sure to go there, check it out, or order the book wherever fine books are sold. Anyway, guys, go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button. Also go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Voss. See all the books are reading and reviewing over there. Go to all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, there's five or six of them on Facebook. It's crazy. I can't even figure out which one is which half the time because they all say the Chris Voss show. Go over there and see what we're doing. Join those groups as well. Today, we had an amazing author on the guest uh, on the show. As always, as a guest, he is the author of The Power to Speak Naked, How to Speak with Confidence, Communicate Effectively, and Win Your Audience. Sean Tyler Foley is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking about the amazing parts of his book and uh, how he helps people get through there. We'll find out what what the book is about. We should probably let him tell us. He is an accomplished film and stage performer and has been acting in film and television since he was six years old. He's appeared in productions including Freddy vs. Jason, Door to Door, Carrie, and the musical Ragtime. Tyler is passionate about helping others confidently take the stage and impact the audience with their stories. He's currently the managing director of Total Buy-In and the author of the number one best-selling book, I think it is. is that? Do I have that right, Tyler, the number one best-selling? Number one best-selling book, uh, Power to Speak Naked. Luckily, Power I Power to Speak I... Naked. Yeah. I don't think I got the sound effect right for the slasher thing. The wing, wing, wing. 
with the Freddy versus Jason? Did I get that right? Yeah, no, you needed a, a little genre? bit. Yeah, you needed to tune that ch- violin up just a little bit more to get that really screeching. Yeah, I used to be able to do that before puberty. Give us your dot coms, Tyler, so that people can find you on the internet. Absolutely. Best place to go is SeanTylerFoley.com, and Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com. And for anybody who's confused, yes, I go by my middle name, so Tyler is what I go by, but professionally, SeanTylerFoley.com. And they can check all of my socials there. We've got the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitters, the whatever my team puts up and says that I need to do, and that's where all the content goes. Wherever those crazy kids are today is what I usually call it. Tyler, tell us what motivated you want to write this book. Uh, Honestly, it was because I found myself giving the same advice over and over again to the clients and friends that I work with. And through the, I actually did the book backwards. So most people write a book and then they come up with a course and they go and do the seminars. I did it in reverse. I've been doing seminars and training people how to public speak for years and years and years. And I didn't have a book. And a lot of event organizers would get frustrated by that because it's how they make a lot of their money is in the back end sales. And a good mentor of mine, Gail Kingsbury, who's had me on multiple stages, said, listen, you've got to get a book. I I won't even book you anymore if you don't get a book. And I said, fine, but I didn't really want to write a book. And the nice thing is because I had been doing all of these training seminars for as long as I have, I've got thousands of hours of video of me coaching and working with people. And so what we did was we just took the video, grabbed the audio from it, transcribed the audio, and then the seminars actually became the book. So it's a really nice companion read for anybody who has taken one of my training sessions. And for anybody who hasn't, it's a really nice introductory to them on what to expect with me because it's literally my voice. Like it couldn't get to be more my voice. And sometimes I cringe when I read it because it is my voice written in the book. And that was how it came to be. It was just a very easy intro into what I do as far as my training goes. That's pretty awesome because it, it probably has that feel of you delivering it at a high energy speaking conference or whatever. Yeah, no, and, and it does. You can, you, it comes across very clearly mm-hmm. <laughs> when you read it, that it is, it is spoken word. And mm-hmm. I think that was important for a couple of different things too, particularly with what I'm doing. I'm training people to speak. So I better be able to do it myself. And the, the nice thing I like about it too is that, again, there's no surprises. Mm-hmm. You get who I am and the essence of me through the book. And, the, and then I get the chance when I get to work with people one-on-one or live in a seminar scenario to expand on some of those themes that I explore in the book. Mm-hmm. We definitely expand a lot more. The book is light touches on a lot of the topics that we'd cover. And then we do a deep dive in our two and a half day and our five day workshops. But the book is nice in that you there, it's not when you read somebody else's work, particularly if it's been ghostwritten or something like that. And you see them live on stage. They're still fantastic, but the, somehow the message gets a little muddled. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I like the most about this is you're just getting me. It, it's me. I, like I said, I read through it every once in a while and I cringe and I'm like, Ooh, I would have written that differently, but it's how I spoke it. So that's how it came out in the book. 
and we just let it go. Well, I've been I've been writing my book, so I've I've been learning about how important my voice is. I never really cared about my voice, but it has to be written in your voice. And I'm like, I don't even know who the hell I am half the time, according to my psychiatrist. Good luck with that. Give us an arcing overview of the book of what the deets are and stuff and what people are gonna get. It's the book is really designed for the seventy seven percent of North Americans who claim to have a fear of public speaking. Uh, the reality is the majority of those people who feel that they fear public speaking actually don't have that fear. Mm-hmm. It's it's not true. So most of the book is designed to break down that misconception, give people very actionable, very easy to implement tips and tricks that can help them gain more confidence in public speaking. So it's really designed for that person who's maybe been pushed into a leadership role that isn't comfortable being there, or uh, businessmen and entrepreneurs who know that they could grow their business, if they could grow their influence, and they know that the stage is probably the place to do it, but they don't know how to start or where to begin. This is definitely a beginner's guide to public speaking. And it's compressed of 35 years of my experience in performance. And like I said, done in my voice so that hopefully it is an easy to read, very simple. It's less than 150 pages, uh, fairly big text so that we can get to that 150 page mark. It's only 10 chapters. It's a really easy to digest dive into the beginnings of public speaking and how to be more confident with delivering your message in a way that has impact with your audience. So is one of the basis of the book or one of the foundations of the book is that old analogy of if you're worried about public speaking, think of your audience naked and you'll probably be okay. I sometimes try to pull that joke with an audience where I'd be like, so they told me that, so I'm not nervous. I should imagine that everybody is naked in the audience. And then I'd scan around and be like, oh, wow, okay, that's not a good idea. But it was a little rough on audiences, so I think I had to bag it. What, what the, is that true or, or has that play into it? It, it, oh, yeah. No, it's the absolute worst advice on the planet. And I, I destroy it really quickly at the beginning of the book. Uh, absolutely. For everything that you just said, it yeah. is such a weird thing. Like, I, I've heard that advice. I remember hearing that advice when I was little and being like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Picture the audience in their underwear. Or picture the audience naked. And I'm like, what a waste of mental space <laughs> to try to gain comfort out of somebody else's discomfort and then and it doesn't do any good and what's worse is you should be focused on your audience yeah like one of the big tenets of the book is that you should be focused on your audience but you should be focused on how to serve them not on how to undress them like it's such yeah. a bizarre i i hate the advice and i i will destroy it every chance that i get it is the worst advice anybody could give publicly there you go I, I i i was doing okay with imagining the audience naked until i spoke at a victoria's secret concert a con- anyway, conference i can't do that joke anyway so tyler give us some of the some of the different stories or aspects or different tips that you shared with you can tease out on that. yeah nothing's a secret so we could do a deep dive we could do the whole training seminar if we wanted to pull everything out yeah, um, let me the, pull up another coffee here and just we'll just we'll do it we got to tease we, the people we, three hours right no we one of the first uh, tips that I give to people is that the audience is on your side that most. So the first thing that I do is I want to destroy people's myth of this fear of public speaking because you mm-hmm. don't have a fear of public speaking. And I know there's people in the audience right now, Chris, that are like, no, I am terrified of public speaking. And if you're one of those people right now who's not in law going, yeah, no, I am definitely terrified of public speaking. I wouldn't do it for to save my life. 
I would ask all of those people, when was the last time you went to a restaurant and were you able to order food? Mm. Because if you are able to go to a restaurant, public place, use your voice to order food, that was speaking in public. So you're not afraid of public speaking. And the fact that we keep labeling this fear of public speaking as, as this thing that holds us back when we don't actually fear public speaking, it's, it's a misdiagnosis. It's like uh, misdiagnosing heartburn as a heart attack. What you need is Pepto-Bismol and you're running around trying to find defibrillators to shock yourself and it's only going to do more harm than good. I do that on Wednesdays so, anyway. Because well, it's just fun, right? There's <laughs> nothing like a good hit from electrodes to just yeah. make. I like to lick 9-volt batteries. So Yeah, or you lick the fork you throw in the 110 there right there in the oh, outlet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's always good. That's, that's how I start my day. How else would you? Coffee, Coffee doesn't shot, do it yeah. anymore. Is it people's fear uh, of public speaking that they're being judged, that 500 people are judging them and looking at them going, yes. your socks don't match your shirt? So and you've hit it right on the head. So that's, that, is, that is what the actual fear is. People don't fear public speaking. People fear public judgment. Ah. I can speak one-on-one -on -one with somebody as long as I want to. But as soon as you put me in a place where my opinions may be weighed, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, that's where the fear comes from. And mm. the quickest way to destroy that fear is to recognize that the audience is actually on your... None of us, like your audience right now, Chris, they're tuned in. And they're like, I wonder what Joe Chris is going to tell today to do the cold open. Like, what's going to go? Is this going to be Leno worthy or is this going to be uh, amateur improv night? Like, where are we at here today? So they're tuned in. They're excited. They don't come to your show thinking, man, I hope Chris sucks today. Hands would be even better if his guest just bombs. I really hope that whoever he has on forgets everything that they're going to talk about, stumbles over their words, and frankly delivers me absolutely no value. That is not why people tune in. Hopefully if I have a ticket... <laughs> Sometimes we look for the train wreck, but we're not there expecting. Yeah, I've caught a few people on YouTube and, and Twitter actually saying, I hate Chris Voss, I hate everything about him. He's so annoying and all of his BS. And they've and they're like talking amongst each other and everyone can see it on Twitter. And and I'll be like and they'll be like so why do you follow him? Because I just want to see when the car crashes, how bad it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So there yeah, are a few of those people out there. Maybe well, and, and fair enough, but those are really masochistic and they're, it's a very sure. few people. They're still, but here's the thing. They make me feel they're still engaged. They're yeah, they still coming for a reason. Wanted. So we don't show up to these two events. We don't show up to, at <clears throat> most, your audience is passively indifferent. Right. If I'm having to give a presentation in a boardroom and in an executive type scenario, a lot of people, their, their expectation, because they're all looking at their watches or their phones and they're like, this guy has five minutes before I give him up. But they're giving me a chance. They're passively indifferent to the message at worst. That's the worst. Mm -hmm. Most of us are going, please be good please be good. Or I need something out of this, right? There's a reason why we've either purchased a ticket or actually shown up in the room. Because if it wasn't going to serve us in some way, we just wouldn't have gone. That of the HR department made us come. HR, but that's the past. <laughs> HR said, or my boss said, this is a mandatory meeting. And if you don't like it, you will have your pay. Well, again, that's passively indifferent. They're there because they have to be. They would prefer that it be good. But if it's not, nah, I had to be here anyway. Yeah. And your job as a speaker is then to deliver so that it is good. So usually the audience is on your side. And here's the other thing. We wouldn't have asked you to be there mm -hmm. if you weren't the expert. 
Huh? Nobody asks second best. The reason you got asked to present was because you were the best person available to present that information. Mm-hmm. So that makes you the authority or the expert and the audience is on your side. So now you can start to dissolve that fear of judgment mm-hmm. because that is what you're afraid of. You're not afraid of public speaking or you would never have said a word in your life and you'd never be able to go to a restaurant. You'd never be able to order food. Should I just approach it like a narcissist where I go, I'm the expert and all you people are stupid and I'm here to tell you all what, where it is and where it's at. Is that a good thing? To think? No, that's super dangerous. In fact, note to I, self, knock that off. Note to self. Yeah, note to self. Let's drop down <laughs> off of that narcissism pick. And the thing is, I do you know how I know that, Chris? Because I'm guilty of it. Oh, I might have seen that movie too. Yeah, like I've done it. I've been that well. Mm-hmm. Listen to me because you don't even know. And I am this. And, and that never serves anybody. The fun thing to be is in a place of curiosity. So you can be the expert. But the mm-hmm. thing about a really good expert is that they have quiet confidence in their knowledge. They also mm-hmm. recognize that there are other experts out there. Like, you, I'm a public speaker trainer, mm-hmm. but I'm not the only one. And I have worked you with are? some great ones. And I have, I have worked with some less than great ones. Yeah. And I have seen the gambit. And what I do is different than what other people do, rightfully. But we're all probably similar content our delivery and our messaging is just different and so it's okay to know that there are other experts out there but you are the expert currently that was chosen and so how do you work with your audience to uh, best guide them to the information that you are required to present to them and one of the first things to do is to recognize that If you're just having a monologue, studies have shown that the audience engagement is at maximum 78%. If you're Mm -hmm. just blah, 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 spitting information. But have a dialogue, start talking with your audience and including them in on the messaging and asking what they need to know. And that engagement goes up to 92%. So one of the first things that you can do if you are somebody who is afraid of public speaking is recognize that you can take the workload off of you by mm-hmm. getting your audience to start providing the content for you. And it will be the greatest talk they've ever been to. Cause they'll be like, Oh, that was so great. I was so engaged. I learned so much. And you actually lessen your workload and increase the effectiveness of what you've done when you're presenting by including your audience in on that dialogue versus a monologue. There you go. What about imposter syndrome? I think some people suffer from that. Is that something you address in the book? Oh yeah. And again, one of the first things to recognize to overcome that imposter syndrome is that if people have showed up more than they do, Mm. you don't have to do it from a narcissistic arrogant side. But you have something to deliver. Even if you're in a room with peers, like I am typically when I'm delivering at conferences and speaking, I'm with other very accomplished public speakers. So what makes me the authority? The fact that I'm on that stage. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. I don't need your stage. I'm on stage. Uh Yeah. (laughs) but they when i do get the opportunity to do it that somebody has asked me to be there and so Mm -hmm. i do have the authority so yes there are other people there are always going to be people who do it better than i do that's just Mm -hmm. a fact 
And I can strive to learn the craft and hone my craft so that I can get on par with them or come close. But there's also this entire other segment here that are look at me and go, how do you do that thing? And that's really how the book came to be. People were asking me, how do you do the thing that you do? And I would say this and this, and I just started repeating that over and over again until it became a training seminar. And then I repeated it enough that I had enough content and material that I could put it into a book. That's so, awesome. I have one night stands ask me the same thing. <laughs> and you'll never means. divulge the secret. Never no, let them know. Never, never let them know. Yeah. But the, And that's where getting over imposter syndrome is easy. And it's having yeah. that confidence to go on that blind date and be like, no, you know what? I will be good for you. I yeah. would be good for you. Yeah. The the one time I thought about quitting speaking, I'll never forget. I went on stage and I had a whole mess of jokes lined up because I was just like, let's start with jokes, get everybody laughing. And I couldn't get the first bunch of rows to laugh. And it really threw me off. Like it really like just kicked me in the butt. And I almost threw down the mic and walked off the stage because no matter what I did and like a comedian, I started focusing on those guys and they threw me completely off. And they were just looking at me like, who's this dummy? They weren't laughing at my jokes. What I hadn't noticed was there was a signer off to the right of the stage and I just hadn't never seen it. And, and the whole front rows were a deaf mute audience and they were not getting my jokes. I guess the signer wasn't delivering them right or something. Maybe I just wasn't funny, but I remember I, I walked up the stage. I, I did probably the worst speech I ever did. I, I go to the back and I'm like, what the hell is going on with the front rows? And I'm like, oh, that's the deaf audience. They, they don't understand what the hell you're talking about. Someone could have told me that. You're, anyway. You looked at them and you were like, thank you for letting me know. That's by <laughs> yeah, the way, I this is done the only something. sign language that I know right here. This is yeah. thank you. Yeah, I would have, uh, I don't know, been swearing them in or something like laugh, you people like doing whatever thing. I, I probably would have incorporated something for them. I, but that's the one time I felt imposter syndrome. So I'm glad you bring up two really good points out of that story, actually, Chris, that are, I cover in the book. The first one is doing an audience analysis. Somebody should have told you that or you should have been aware of that fact up front. It's one of the first things that I discuss in, uh, I think, the second chapter is knowing your audience no, as right. part of your pre-talk routine and getting that information from the promoter or from whoever's hired you to come and do that because yeah. that is valuable information, right? Well, That's, yeah. That would have been a good one to know. And then the other thing that I discuss in the book is using humor, particularly if you don't think that you're funny. There's a lot of ways to lighten the mood and interject humor into your presentation, even if you're not funny. Like you don't have to have that natural comedy bone to be able to put humor into your talk. And so I talk about a couple of different strategies that people can use to, to lighten the mood. And as you said, it's great to do it right up front. I like to tell a funny story up front and into mm -hmm. one of the points that Les Brown always makes, never tell a story without a point, never make a point without a story. I always try to tell a funny story up front, but it has to relate to the content that's going. Otherwise, it's just a useless story to make people laugh. So, If people have been there for a while, I usually like to get them to stand up, shake themselves out. Kind of If they've been sitting there like all day, listen to guys yeah. come up and be like, so I like to get them to shake out, get their blood flowing to their legs again, that sort of thing, oh, yeah. and then yeah. tell them some good jokes. Now, in your book, you talk about the public speaking toolkit. Give us a little bit of uh, insight in that, if you would. Yeah. So uh, a lot of that is actually downloads. So in the book, we have a whole bunch of QR codes 
that people mm. can scan and it sends them over to uh, the website because I'm constantly updating it. So the nice thing is, mm. is it's, uh, the URL always goes to the same resource page, but the mm. resources that we put up are constantly evolving as I'm learning more things, as I'm getting more stuff, because I want to make sure that everybody has access to the toolkit. And mm. so that includes like the audience analysis tool and includes the story scripting tool. All of these are things that I use regularly. I even have a, a really cool uh, pitch template to get on to podcasts mm. that people can download on there. And, and all of these things, I want to make it accessible. Like the, they don't need to be these hidden secrets because if I can help you out that way, then there's a lot of other ways that I can help you out one-on-one. But I want to, you need to know what the tools are and get them into your hands to try and start using them before you can really get going without knowing what does and doesn't work. Yeah. So I try to make everything as accessible as possible to my readers and to the people who come to the workshops. So anybody can get this information. Usually they just have to trade their email and then get hassled by me for the next couple of weeks about all the stuff that's going on. Cool. I love that idea, putting the QR codes in the book so they... They come and <clears throat> check out your other stuff. I love that idea. Note to self. Um, the uh, Your cover is pretty interesting. It's got uh, the back of, of a uh, naked dude, and his, his bum is covered, of course, so it's tasteful. There you go. You, you'll There's put a... it up. In the, but yeah, yeah. So uh, good-looking dude. That's, of course, what I look like when I when people see my back, of course, as well. In fact, oh, yeah. I think I modeled for your book. Maybe that was it. I I, no, I was going to say, I was going to ask if when we're done, if you could sign it. So sure, yeah. yeah. Copy from the model on the book. <laughs> no one's going to believe that. But hopefully in a few more months. We're working out now. We just started working out last week, so hopefully. No, but I love this idea. In fact, your book cover gave me this thing where maybe instead of going on stage and telling that joke about how imagine the audience naked, I'll be like, uh, I'll reverse it and I'll be like, yeah, I heard this thing that if the speaker gets naked and his audience sees him naked, then he'll be less nervous and I'll just start unbuttoning my shirt and see what happens. Meanwhile, I'll probably get tackled by the HR department that hired me. A bunch of bodyguards will run on stage and be like, no, don't do it. So you laugh and jest, but when we were first coming out with the book, because again, I self-published that two years ago, and it's been picked up by uh, a traditional publisher now, and it's going to be in like real brick-and-mortar bookstores nice. uh, sep- starting September 7th. But I self-published it two years ago, and to start promoting it, I was doing these one-hour free uh, work seminar workshop type things. Um, people would come in and, and, and they weren't, they weren't free. I think I was charging 40 bucks or something like that to have people come in. Cause I wanted people who actually wanted to do it, but we called it the power to speak naked because that was the name of the book. And that was just, uh-huh. it was an easy uh, one hour thing to have people come in. And I was doing one of these presentations and there was this heckler dude in the back of the audience. He was like, <laughs> Hey, Nike boy, take off your clothes if you're so brave. You're such a good speaker. And I was like, ah, yeah, don't have the insurance for it, man. And nobody wants to see me naked. He's like, I want to see you naked. I'm like, ah, no, I don't swing that way. But thanks, man. You can talk to my wife afterwards and we'll see what we can arrange. Sure, yeah. I was like, just trying to pass it off. And he wouldn't stop. Oh. He just wouldn't stop. And I was like, you know what? Let's see what we can do here. Because anytime... I, it's particularly if it's an event that I'm doing, it's when there are things that I'm putting on, we always book the venue for two dates as an oh. insurance. So oh. if for whatever reason it, I have to cancel on this date, I don't have to scramble to try and redo it. 
And I can mm. always use that, that. It's easier to cancel at, on them and be like, no, I'll just lose my deposit, whatever, than it is to try and scramble and get a date that's convenient for everybody. So I just t- mm. typically do that where I book a date usually a week or two out. Mm. And in this case, we had the venue booked a week out. So I think it was like a Friday night and then another Friday night. And this guy wouldn't stop. And I was like, you know what? Fine, sir. Let's put your money where your mouth is. If oh. you're willing to come back and pay 10 times what you paid for this ticket, because Tyler doesn't take his clothes off for free, I will come back and give this entire presentation buck naked. But only if everybody in this room agrees to come back next Friday, we have the venue uh, booked, but it's going to cost me a lot in insurance and any profits or proceeds that we have afterwards, I will donate to your local food bank. But you all have to agree to come do it. And I was like, who wants to actually do that? And I shouldn't have said it because all of a sudden everybody was like, support charity. See him go naked. Why, yes, let's get on board with this. And so they were all like, yeah, we'll do it. I'm like, okay, no, 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 whoa, whoa. So then I'm now I'm really scrambling. I'm like, okay, everybody has to pay. They pay up front. If we don't have, I know how much revenue we should see on that. If I don't have it at the end of the night, it's not happening. So you guys have to go. We'll book it. We'll do the thing. Sure enough, I think 90% of the audience bought tickets for this thing. So now I'm committed. And I'm like, damn, shouldn't have said that. Oh, I yeah, the grinder conference that. too. That was oh, the first mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't have done it at the grinder conference. You're right. That was wrong of me. So anyway, fast forward a week later, sure enough, I cranked the heat in the room <laughs> like a lot. I'm like, you guys can sweat. I'm gonna be comfortable. But I went out and I did it. And I I'll tell you You went totally now, naked? Totally naked. It was more awkward for the audience than it was for me way more awkward for them wow. they were like i can't believe he's doing it so finally i stepped normally I, in one of the things that i talk about in the book is never stay behind a podium for this yeah. one i was like okay so i've done this do you guys want me to tuck behind the podium because y'all look a little awkward i'm okay doing this i'll do it for the full 45 minutes but if you want i can step behind the podium right now and they're all like yeah maybe do that maybe do that that's a great story like, whatever but I raised some really good money for a charitable cause. I proved that I, that my methodology works, that I will put my money where my mouth is. And the best part is ask me if the heckler showed up. He didn't. Not even a little bit. Wow. But I think I got his money. Yeah. I think he's got his money and went to the food bank. So that was good. But if I ever get one of those, I'm bringing them up on stage and I'll just start doing a lap dance on them. You like this, buddy? <laughs> that would see that would have been the way better way to handle that scenario yeah. instead of committing to an entire other event. And this is why they pay me ten dollars an hour for the show. Yeah, the insurance that we needed to get for that was ridiculous. Seriously? Couldn't serve food. Oh. We had to get permits. <laughs> At least we not had any to bananas. Get oh yeah, we had to get not even bananas. No, not even hammocks for the bananas. Couldn't have those, <laughs> and we couldn't. We had to have bouncers who were IDing people. Like it was, it became this logistical nightmare. I would have loved to do it again, but with better forethought and planning, so that I could actually maximize the profits that were going to the food bank. It was one of those things where I was like, I feel like I should probably pitch in money mm-hmm. myself because we, we yeah. just cost a lot just to get the insurance for the. That's crazy, man. I have three Prince Alberts. I'd never do that. Anyway, guys. <laughs> I just thought of that joke. It's pretty good. Oh, Three lies. Prince Alberts. Can you imagine <laughs> you not be able to pee straight? I should lie about my size and just say I have five or six or, yeah, I go for 10. Fuck it. Uh, hey, I tell everybody, it may not be long, but it sure is skinny. 
Yeah, okay. All right, that's good. I'm not going to try and put that image in my head. <laughs> what else can we tease out, Tyler, on, on the book and get people to buy it? Just that it's number one bestseller on Amazon. Number one for, bestseller, duh. Right? Like, you got you, from that alone, you need to What go more do you people need that. for Hellsinks? Right? No, just honestly, if anybody is sitting out there and just needs a, a little... A nudge. You know that you want to do it. You're a little afraid to get up on stage, or maybe you're a lot afraid to get up on stage, but you need somewhere to begin. Like, this is a great start to begin. And I'm not touting that because I wrote it. Like, honestly, if it were me, I wouldn't plug my book because anybody gets self conscious over the stuff that they do. But the feedback that I've gotten on it has been really positive, particularly over the last two years. I've had a lot of people have come back and said, thank you. This was so easy to implement. And that's that was really my only goal. And so that's the best compliment that I can get when people have read the book, that it's just easy to implement. It's easy to read. The strategies are simple. It doesn't take a lot. And it gets you started. And that's the key. I'm not trying to get people to be the next Tony Robbins or Les Brown or Darren Hardy or Brian Tracy. I just want people to be a little bit more confident in themselves and their messaging. And mm-hmm. to have the confidence to say some of the things that maybe they're afraid to say, because mm-hmm. those are the things that can have impact. Those are the things that make a difference is when we can have the courage to stand up and say the thing that five minutes ago, maybe we didn't want to talk about. Mm. Husbands should probably get that advice too as well. Why do you, Although you it might not Yeah, no, the book is not. And one of the things that I like about the book is that it encourages hard conversations and mm. that's not just hard conversations with your audience. A lot of times it's an audience of one. So it is a spouse mm. or a loved one, a family member, child, even a peer at work, or maybe it's a superior or uh, somebody who you look over at work where mm. you, the, you're not having a conversation that needs to be had because you're afraid of the repercussions of it. Typically that fear of judgment and just giving people the ability to actually have that conversation. Because that's really where the magic happens. When you are brave enough to stand up and say the thing that you're afraid to say, you have no idea the impact that can have when you can get your messaging down. Yeah, it's really important for people. I meet people from time to time that are, they spend way too much time worrying about people that judge them, that don't crap, give a crap about anything. One of my favorite lines is from Fight Club. We spend too much time to impress people that don't give a shit about us buying clothes and craps and cars that are trying to impress people that don't care. And I, people don't get it. Anyone who's seen me walking around in normal public knows that I gave that up a long time ago. <laughs> Anything more, Tyler, we should uh, talk about and plug out? On- Not necessarily on the book, but I would really like to encourage your audience again, as you had said right off at the top, like it's not easy for you, Chris, putting together this show. Like I know the amount of work that goes into the back end and you shrug it off, but like I, I get particularly with yours, the, there's a lot of logistics that go into it. I've, we've been in communication for a couple of months getting this organized. So I know the amount of effort that goes into what you do each and every episode that you air. So at least five I would minutes. at least five, maybe even 10. So yeah. I would encourage your audience, whatever platform they're listening to this on, to take a moment right now, hit pause, share, five-star review, leave a comment. What was your favorite episode? What was your favorite thing about this episode? What did you hate about this episode? I don't mind the trolls either, right? But leave a comment, get engaged, but share because that's how Chris can get better guests on. And you've had some phenomenal guests on your show. 
Yeah. So you're the first guest in 800 shows that's done that. So thank you. Hey, can we get what? this guy on again next time? This guy was great. I do that. No, but hey, but it's true. What you do is correct. And by the way, happy anniversary. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. 12 years. I that's think it's on the 19th milestone. or the 12th. I can't feel my legs anymore, so I can't tell. I got to look it up, I guess. But and the, yeah. the great thing is next year you'll be a teenager, and this show can go right off the rails and start throwing temper tantrums and saying that you don't listen anymore. I think I did that in year two or one or something, but that's pretty much my personality. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for coming on. We enjoy you, you spending time with us, Tyler, and enlightening us in your book and everything. Thank you very much for being here today. Honestly, it was my joy and my pleasure. And for your audience in the front, thank you for having oh, me on. There we go. There we go. I got to I learned to do that. Of course, I would probably accidentally do this, and that would be bad, yeah, probably. Yeah. This one is different than, I think, properly, it, the bring the hand up like this, but yeah. I'm, I'm lazy, so it's just thank you. Yeah, always know your audience. That was the hard lesson I learned that day. Give us your plugs, Tyler, so people can go order your book and uh, find you on the interwebs. Yeah, so the book, as I had mentioned, is on pre-sale right now. It'll be available worldwide in bookstores September 7th. Anybody who could graciously do me the favor and get a pre-sale, because as an author, I am, I'm going for uh, Wall Street Journal, number one bestseller. That's been my goal. I've circled it down. It's on my vision board. And the only way that I can get there is through the pre-sales. And pick your favorite store to do that. If you want to go and support Jeff Bezos, you can do that. If you want to go to Barnes and Noble, you can do that. My favorite is to go to bookshop.org and that will help your mom and pop shops. It connects you online to your local book retailer, brick and mortar in your hometown or your nearest bookstore to you. And the nice thing is you can actually get my book cheaper on bookshop.org than you can hmm. any of the other major sites. So save totally yourself deep. a little money, support mom and pop, go check out bookshop.org. And it's not just for my title. You want to go get Chris's book. You want to go get the 50 shades of whoever knows what you want to, you want to get whatever title you want go to bookshop.org. They have basically every title you can get online, but you can get it through your mom and pop shop. They get the, they get the proceeds for that. And it helps support the raises money and, and donates back to local uh, businesses. So it, for all so many reasons, I want everybody to check out bookshop.org just to, just quickly. And if they can, you want to pick up a copy and I wouldn't be upset if you picked up the power to speak naked while you were there. There you go. Check it out, guys. Support your local booksellers. That's always important as well. We do that. Uh, we get a lot of that on the show. The Power to Speak Naked. How to speak with confidence, communicate effectively, and win your audience. Thank you very much for coming by the show today, Tyler. Thanks for for tuning in. Go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Foss. Hit the bell notification button. Go to Goodreads. See all the things we're reviewing over there forward slash Chris Foss. All the groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, every place where those crazy kids are at. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you guys next time. So we're excited to announce my new book is coming out. It's called Beacons of Leadership, Inspiring Lessons of Success in Business and Innovation. It's going to be coming out on October 5th, 2021. And I'm really excited for you to get a chance to read this book. It's filled with a multitude of my insightful stories, lessons, my life, and experiences in leadership and character. I give you some of the secrets from my CEO entrepreneurial toolbox that I use to scale my business success, innovate, and build a multitude of companies. 
companies. I've been a CEO for, uh, what is it, like uh, 33, 35 years now. We talk about leadership, the importance of leadership, how to become a great leader, and how anyone can become a great leader as well. So you can pre-order the book right now wherever fine books are sold. But the best thing to do on getting a pre-order deal is to go to beaconsofleadership.com. That's beaconsofleadership.com. On there, you can find several packages you can take advantage of in ordering the book. And for the same price of what you can get it from someplace else like Amazon, you can get all sorts of extra goodies that we've taken and given away. Uh, different collectors, limited edition, custom made numbered book plates that are going to be autographed by me. There's all sorts of other goodies that you can get when you buy the book from beaconsofleadership.com. So be sure to go there, check it out, or order the book wherever fine books are sold. 